All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, uh, your presence, for your goodness, and for your word to us this morning. Lord, you are so good to us, and we are so grateful. We come this morning with open hearts to receive. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you prompt? Would you bring something of this seed, this word, to life in our hearts and in our spirits this morning? We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, the victorious name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And it's wonderful to have our Faith Online uh, family joining as well. So thank you for being online and being with us this morning. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, I wanted to ask who has a paper Bible? Who still gives a wave if you've got a paper Bible? Is that Lino back there? Lino! Lino's got a paper. Who's got a, a Bible? Who's got a phone, iPad, Kindle? Some other version. I don't know what other versions there are, but uh, turn in your Bibles, whatever you got. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It will also be on the screens up here. Famous passage that many of you will know very well. And it starts in verse 4 and it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part... And we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Paul here is speaking of eternity, an exciting time to come. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. I wanna talk to you just for a couple of minutes here about a very important topic some of you are going to think that I've lost my mind and uh, what has happened to this guy. But there, in 2019, I want to talk to you just for a moment about single-use plastic supermarket shopping bags. Yeah, thank you, Richard. I've lost some people already. Single-use plastic shopping bags. These plastic shopping bags changed my family's life. Let me tell you why. In 2019, they were outlawed. You'll remember that, that in our supermarkets, we are not having single-use plastic shopping bags any longer. See, before they were outlawed, it was easy. For Ailey and I, we would go to the shops, we'd get our trolley, we'd go and do our shopping, we'd get all the bits and pieces that we need, fill up the trolley, go through the checkout, scan, beep, scan, beep, pay. They're all in the plastic bags, into the trolley, out to the car, load them in the boot, you get home, Put it in the pantry, put it in the fridge, put it in the cupboards, and then those bags go in, what was it called? A bag bag with the hole at the bottom. But then they went and changed things. 
And we can't have single-use plastic bags anymore. We've got these calico canvas bags that sit in the boot of the car. Who's with me? Who's got a boot full of canvas, you know, the, 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 the use them more than once bags? Well, we don't quite have enough, I don't think, to do our full load of shopping. So what happens is we get like a three-quarter shop done earlier in the week. And then periodically through the rest of the week, I might get sent down to the, down to the supermarket to go get a few essentials. Leighton, we're running low on some milk and some bread. Can you go down and get some essentials? And so I go down and I'm thinking, I'm just getting essentials, okay? I'm just getting a couple of things, some bread, some milk. What's what's another essential? Eggs, yogurt, I heard, chocolate. Of course, I've gone down to get bread, milk, and three packets of the 48 pack of toilet paper. (laughs) Bread, milk, and toilet paper. And so I grab the bread, and I grab the milk, and I grab the toilet paper, and that's all I've gone to get because we've run low. And so as I'm walking back through to the checkout, of course, I accidentally turn down the chippy aisle. And I walk past those Doritos, and those Doritos are calling to me. And I think they are absolutely essential. And so the Doritos fall into my lap, into my hands. The bread, the milk, the toilet paper, and the Doritos. And then I continue through to the checkout. But as I'm getting towards the checkout, I get a text message from Ailey. This happens quite regularly. Oh, while you're there, while you're there, if it's not too late, we also need a kilo of mints. And we need another little packet of spaghetti and some tomato paste and some ice cream and some laundry detergent. And so I'm already carrying all these things, okay? I've got my bread, I've got my milk, toilet paper and my Doritos and then I've got to get my mints and the spaghetti and all these other, is is this relate to anyone? Is this everyday life? Pastor Andrew, I see that hand. And so we carry all these things and then we get to the checkout and there is no way I'm going to pay 15 cents for a Coles bag. Not a chance am I buying another one of those things. So we've done a little bit of click and collect over the last two years. And we've got about 8,000 of those bags in the laundry. But of course, I didn't take them to the shops because I'm only there to get bread and milk and whatever. But as I'm walking through, I go through the checkout and I've got this great big handful of stuff and it's more than I can carry. And then I scoop it all up, not paying for more bags and I'm carrying it. It's like the walk of shame. You're walking back to the car to load it all, drop it all in the boot and you're walking past people who are looking at you and they're winking. Yeah, I know you. I saw this. So we were on holidays these last couple of weeks. We had some time in Lakes Entrance and uh, we're at the supermarket there in Lakes Entrance and I saw a guy and I, ha- I caught his eye and I, I knew. He was walking through the supermarket with more than he could carry, just under the weight of this burden of groceries. He's not buying an extra bag and he's not got a trolley. He's just there to get the essentials, but he walks out. And in that moment, I felt like God put this in my heart, that what a metaphor for life that that picture represents that there are the essentials. We've gone to the supermarket for the essentials, but we come out under the burden and the weight of more than we can carry, more than we intended to go and collect. You know, this season, this time, this uh, experience that we've all lived through in these last months and last couple of years has led to some burdens that we carry. 
We were talking about brisket there a moment ago. I was cooking brisket on New Year's Eve, which is a month ago. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. It's not... It's 30th of January, that's okay. I was cooking brisket and I had a headache. We had friends coming from about an hour away. I thought I'd better take a rapid test because I know what's going on just around us at the moment and I don't want our friends who are driving an hour to come and visit us for New Year's Eve. And I took a rapid test, positive. And I went off to try and find a PCR and do all the next bit and I, said, I left the brisket with Ailey. And uh, I said, you just got to keep putting a log on the fire. You just got to keep it and just watch it. And she just got the biggest log and put it on the fire. And that brisket ended up like a brick, like a big, black, burnt, crisp brick. It was just awesome. We still tried to eat it. But what a picture. And I don't, want to, I don't want our focus to go on to these things and I don't want to glamorize these things, but I, I want to speak truthfully. See, if we were to see that young guy or we know it and we're walking through the soup, are you okay? Do you need a trolley? No, I've got this. I'm fine. I've, you know, you've got something strapped around your shoulder and I'm okay. I'm all right. And that's the, the way that we sort of go through life as Christians. And so I don't want to glamorize these things, but I do want us to approach them and to consider them with some realistic reality around them. Right now, there is a burden of anxiety and fear. It's very strong for some people and it's very real. For others, there is exhaustion and weariness because each season, each lockdown, each moment rolls into the next. It's like, how much more of this can I take? How much more of this can I handle? I was at an event earlier this week. We've got a friend that serves and ministers to our staff, uh, Linda Butros, and she was sharing, speaking at an event earlier this week. She talked about the thing that she's experiencing as she brings pastoral care into many different organisations, but she's seeing resentment. Of Christians, she, she, she sort of explained that Christians aren't dealing with anger very well, but there's resentment. We resent the fact that we've been locked down and separated from family and things have gone on and it's built within us resentment. In a church like ours, we place a high value on community. It's wonderful to see so many people here this morning, so many gathering online as well, but to be in community. But the word of the last couple of years has been isolation and lockdown and that's led to separation and we can't be together and that's become like a burden. I remember being on a Zoom call with some of our, uh, our older church members last year and I were talking, they've been in a connect group together and there was some, the tears were flowing. The tears were flowing as they spoke about how lonely they had been because they're isolated. They weren't able to connect with other people except on a screen and it led to this emotional experience, loneliness and separation, whatever the description, I don't know what's happened in your house. I don't know what challenges that you're facing. I know for our family, there's been a a diagnosis, not in our immediate family, but one that we're journeying through and believing God to see his hand move in. And so everyone, when you think about it and you consider it, everyone's dealing with something. Everyone's journeying through something. And the Bible, can I tell you, it offers us some solutions. It offers us hope. It offers us a promise. It offers us answers. And this famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13, do you know, contrary to what you might have heard, what you might think, Paul's not speaking to a wedding here. He's not preaching to a couple. Love is patient. Love is kind. Can I just go on a quick little tangent for a moment? We'll get back to the context. I just wanted to share this. There was an, there's an American 
Christian leader that I follow on Twitter, and he'd posted out, hey, share your embarrassing wedding stories. Preachers, let us know your embarrassing wedding stories. So I replied, because I was doing a wedding for some very dear friends of mine, and I do apologise to those of you in the front row, perhaps the second row, because I was beginning to speak and a little air bubble, not like a big gooby spit, but a little air bubble just came slowly out of my mouth, just floated in the air, and it landed on the bride right here. (laughs) They're dear friends. Uh, I love this couple, very, very close friends of ours. She saw it and knew it. I saw it and knew it, but neither of us acknowledged it. I turned to her husband-to-be. I just focused on him, spoke to him. And uh, so anyway, I replied and tweeted to this American leader. That then got published along with a whole lot of other stories in Christianity Today in their news (laughs) as one of the funny stories. A little claim to fame. What Paul in one, it's not a wedding chapter. It gets used at weddings, but it's not a wedding chapter. What Paul is saying here, he's speaking to a church that is about doing life in an environment that's perhaps not very godly. He's explaining to them how to function well as a church, how to help. He's helping them with instruction on resolving conflict, how to get along, reminding them that the church works best when every person plays their part and understands their role. But most of all, he's showing them that all of this has to come from a position and from a place of love. Because if they did all the stuff and help all the people and have all the spiritual gifts and the wonderful worship and they do all these wonderful things, but they don't have love, it'd be pointless. And Paul writes and he says, these three remain, these essentials, the milk, the bread, the essentials that we should carry in our hearts and be reminded of constantly and be encouraged by when we do go through some dark and challenging times, he, he writes, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. I was thinking about faith, about a definition. Now we know, I'll read out some scriptures about what the Bible describes faith as, but I was thinking about what it means to me. And I think this, and I think it's on the screen, that faith is the bold adventure, the bold adventure of walking with and trusting in Jesus. Doesn't mean everything's right. Everything's good, everything's perfect, everything's gonna be rosy. It just means it's a bold adventure that I'm trusting Jesus. As I walk over that mountain, as I go through that valley, I'm gonna trust in Him. You know, the Bible does teach us and show us that faith is the assurance and conviction of things hoped for but not yet seen. That faith, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. This bold adventure of journeying through life with Jesus. The Bible says that we're to continue in our faith and to contend for the faith, defend it and stand up for it, uphold it, that the righteous shall live by faith, it says in Galatians chapter three, verse 11. The Bible tells us that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness within us a resolve, a resilience, it develops something within us. When we do go through a challenge and we can be reminded that the essential of our faith, yes, I'm burdened by all these other things, but I'm gonna be reminded that my faith is crucial to my life itself. 
that my faith is uh, something to stir up within me. That The Bible says, it tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It's a bold adventure. You know, 10 years ago this year, uh, Ailey and I, we felt at the time amongst a number of different things that were, I guess, speaking to us and we felt God prompting us. But one of the things we felt was we were just comfortable. We were comfortable in our church at the time. We were comfortable in our jobs. We were comfortable with where we were at in our faith. We just knew that it was a time where we needed to step out of the boat, that we needed to, to, you know, to, to really activate our faith, to, to put something on the line to trust God. And so 10 years ago this year, we packed up our kids, moved from school, moved houses to a whole other town, and we planted a church. It wasn't just that we stayed where we were and everything was the same and we just went and booked the local school hall. We moved, we packed up, we changed jobs, we resigned, we stepped out in faith. And can I tell you, despite what is happening around about us, it is a season where God is speaking to us to continue to step out in faith. It's not a time, Pastor Matt spoke last week, he says, we're not of those who shrink back. We're not of those who sit back and just let circumstance dictate to us what's going to happen, but we are of those who step out and take great steps of faith. And I believe it, as Pastor Matt said it last week, and I echo it the same, that this is a season and this is a time, this is a year ahead where some of you will start a business and take that step of faith where others will be a journey of stepping out into ministry to see something new begin to take place. Pastor Matt talked about the mission field. I heard him say it and I echo it this morning that God's prompting something in someone this morning. Yes, this is a time and I'm not gonna rush it. I'm not gonna, uh, you know, go too fast with this, but I'm gonna trust my leaders and be accountable and I'm gonna take some steps of faith to see God move in my life. This bold adventure, faith being an essential. When you're feeling overwhelmed, remind yourself of the importance of your faith, the convictions of your heart that, uh, regarding what God has said in His Word, the assurance of your salvation, the forgiveness that you've received. Now hope, faith, hope and love. Hope, similar to faith, is a confident expectation of good, that God is good and He has good things in store for you. God is good and that He has good things in store for you. A confident expectation for the here and now, but for eternity to come. The here and now, I believe God's gonna do something good. I believe, I hold on to the promises of His Word that He is gonna do good in my life, that He's gonna lead me into green pastures, that He's gonna bless me, that He's gonna guide me, that He's gonna raise me up, that He's gonna encourage me in His Word. And likewise for you. That's what hope is, it's a confident expectation expectation. And I'm seeing at the moment, I do a little bit of work during the week in a school and my wife works in a school. We're seeing some families at the moment. We see the parents come in, they're just a bit sort of glass-eyed, like, we've chased the uniforms, we've got the school books and school's about to start and they're preppies or our year sevens or our grade fours or whatever the case might be. But it's in this environment that is so influenced and so impacted by COVID and what's going on. And I can see on the faces of parents as I see them and meet with them and I'm chatting with them, there's this sense of worry. What kind of a world am I releasing my little preppy into? They're only five years old, Pastor Ramon. And I'm leaving them in a school where there's heaps of other people and who knows where those people have been. What kind of world is this that my kids are growing up in? And you know, we've 
had that same question. We asked that same question because on the 13th of September, 2001, now you might remember September 11, 2001, but September 13 was when our first daughter was born, our first child. And I remember when Ailey was in labour, we're in the hospital and we're watching the TV screens that had breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, and there was a terror attack in New York. And as we were in the hospital about to meet our first child, I remember thinking, what kind of a world? is my child coming into. But you know what? It doesn't take very long to be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's not of the circumstance. It's to trust Him. It's to have faith and hope. A confident expectation. Pastor Frankie, you stole from my notes because I was going to pray for Pastor Ramon and the youth team. It's in my notes here. I'm your friend, Bronte. I have it here. But I wonder, along with having prayed for our youth, can we pray for our kids and pray for our families here today because school goes back mostly, largely for most people tomorrow. And I do want to take a moment. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for this wonderful church. And Lord, as children enter into school tomorrow uh, tomorrow and this coming week, Lord, that you would be with families and reminding families with your peace and with the prompting of the Holy Spirit that you are in control and that we should not worry. We have no need to worry, but Lord, those kids will do well. I do pray for our teenagers. I pray for our children. I pray for those that are out there in faith kids at the moment. Lord, that our kids would raise up and that they would be strong. Lord, they would be kids and young people and even young adults, Lord, having encounters with the Holy Spirit and growing in their own faith and understanding their own hope that they have in you. So Lord, we pray for them. We commit them to you. And Lord, as they go to school tomorrow, some of them for the very first time, Lord, that you go with them, that your presence would go with them, Lord, and that you would bless our children, our younger generations, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If I can have the band come back up. So faith and hope, these two essentials. Gone to the shops, we need milk and we need bread. We've got the essentials. And then Paul finishes and he says this, the greatest of these is love. Whilst faith and hope are essential, they too will fade away because a day will come when we see Jesus face to face and we won't need any longer to have hope and a confident expectation. We'll be looking at him. The Bible says that we'll fall on our faces, we'll bow down, we won't be able to stand. Such will be the glory of God. But love remains. Faith and hope and the spiritual gifts and prophecies and speaking in tongues, all the wonderful gifts that are outlined in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 14, and that we see throughout the other passages and books of the Bible. All of these things will fade away, but it says in chapter 13 and verse 8, love never ends. Love never ends. It is patient and kind. It is forgiving and it doesn't give up. Love is not jealous or rude or proud and it doesn't demand its own way. And church, can I ask, I'm one of the pastors on the team. I'm not the senior pastor and I know that they carry an authority and a responsibility that we honour them for, Pastor Matt and Pastor Franca. But as one of the pastors on the team, can I say, can we continue it to be a church and can we develop and strengthen and be encouraged to be a church that loves one another? The Bible says that we should be kind to one another. The Bible says that we should carry one another's burdens. 
when someone is down, that we should be people who come to one another, come to each other, come to those that are struggling and we help to lift them up. We don't kick them when, we're, when they're down. We're not those that get angry and judgment and throw words around carelessly, but love is kind and patient and long-suffering. Let's be that church. I know we are. It's one of the wonderful things about God's Word is that we are, but we're becoming. That He's done and He is doing. And I encourage us today in this passage around love. You know, it's the same love that Jesus showed to us. If you want to grab your communion, we'll close in just a moment as Nael and the team lead us again in worship for a moment. It is the same love that Jesus showed to us. By going to the cross, the Bible says that he was nailed, his body was whipped and beaten, his blood was poured out, and that he died, he was laid in a tomb, and that he rose again. He was victorious. And you know what Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 says? It says of the relationship and the accomplishment of what Jesus has done on the cross. This is what it means to you and I. And this is why we can live with faith, hope and love. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near. Once we were distant, but now we've been brought near through the blood of Christ.